the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. The series is called Double Dare. Everybody say Double Dare. In the New Testament, in the Bible, there are 59 one another's, 59 of them. Love one another, teach one another, encourage one another, serve one another, forgive one another. So here's the first one. Write this down. The first of the 59 is accept. Accept one another. When the world, not you, but when the world says you need to accept me, What they're saying to you is that you need to accept the way I live my life. Don't talk to me about my sin. Live and let live. That's what they mean. And if you don't, then they turn on you and you become the evil person. Now, we're going to correct some of that thinking today. First of all, write this down. There's a difference between acceptance and approval. I can accept someone without approving of what they do. It's possible. I want to talk about sins, behavior, habits, sexual orientation, political preferences, lifestyles. You and I have been called and commissioned and challenged to accept one another. It does not mean that we approve of one another, but we are to accept one another. Rick Warren said that our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first lie is this, that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them, which is ridiculous. The second lie that we've accepted is that to love someone means that you agree with everything they believe or do. Both of those are nonsense. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. Now, I had a guy, I had a guy, he was gay. He said some things about me on social media. And he called me a racist and he called me homophobic. And uh, it did not make me mad at all. It didn't bother me. First of all, because I know it's not true. The second reason why it didn't bother me is because I love this guy. He's a friend of mine. He's like family to me. 
And somehow, you know, he started buying into all the stuff that's being said about Christians, and he just lashed out at me. So I called him up on a phone. He was surprised I called him. I said, hey, is there any way you'd come talk to me? He goes, okay. So I came into my office, and the first thing I did, I took my six-foot-five arms. I just grabbed him and hugged him, told him I loved him. He sat down. We had a little conversation, talked about a lot of stuff. I said, you know, you called me a couple really bad things there. I said, you called me a racist. I said, first of all, I've been fighting for racial equality and racial justice since I was 16 years of age. I'm almost 60. I'm not a bandwagoner where I got on this thing the last couple years. When I was 16, God put it on my heart, when you go preach and build a church, make sure your church is a racially diverse church. So you, you called me a racist, and nobody believes that. Secondly, you called me homophobic. I'm not homophobic or I wouldn't be talking to you right now, right? I just gave you a big old bear hug. I wouldn't have hugged you if I was homophobic. I can love you without accepting what you do. I'll tell you this right now. You can call me a million names. How you live your life has no bearing on how how I treat you. I love you. Then I reversed this whole thing. I said to him, I said, what would happen if you picked up a newspaper on the front page it said that Dudley Rutherford, pastor at Shepherd Church, robbed a bank. And next week you open it up, Pastor Rutherford robbed a 7-Eleven. Well, Dudley Rutherford robbed the gas station. Wouldn't you, as my friend, come to me and say, Dudley, what are you doing? You're going to get shot. You're going to go to jail. You're going to lose your reputation. What are you do- Wouldn't you tell me that? And he goes, yeah. And I said, And wouldn't it be wrong when you told me I shouldn't be robbing banks for me to say to you, well, you must hate me? How foolish that seems. The only reason you would tell me not to rob banks is because you love me. Isn't that correct? He said, correct. And I said, in the same way, if I say to you, I disagree with what you're doing, it doesn't mean that I don't love you. It's just the opposite. The reason I'm telling you is because I love you and want what's best for you. So... The point is that love and acceptance is not condoning or approving. So you say, what is it? Well, let's look at Romans chapter 15. Look at this verse. Romans 15 verse 7, Paul writes to the church in Rome, which was a wild, crazy place. He says to the Christians there, you need to accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Now, I want you to write this down. The word accept means to welcome. It means to receive. It means to invite them in. Just as Christ accepted you, did he not? Just as Christ welcomed you into his family, did he not? And Christ is perfect. We're not perfect. We're a bunch of rascals. And yet Christ, the perfect one, accepted us, welcomed us, ushered us into his family. The perfect came to the imperfect. He welcomed us. And Paul is saying, as Christ welcomed you, you should welcome others. I've said this before. I'll say it again. 
I want every sinner in this city coming to this church. I want every lost and confused person in this city, and there's a bunch of them, to not only come to this church, but to feel welcome in this church. This church is not a hotel for saints. It is a hospital for sinners. Our very name, our name is Shepherd. He left the 99 righteous to go find the one lost sheep and to bring him back. That's the name of our church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. In other words, if you're here today and you just got out of prison last week, you're welcome here. You're confused about your sexual orientation? You're welcome here. Did you just go through a divorce? You just signed the papers? You're welcome here. Are you a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter? You're welcome here. Are you covered in tattoos? You look like a lizard? You're welcome here. Are you an adulterer? Are you addicted to pornography? You're welcome here. Come on in here. Bring a Bible. Sit as long as God is speaking, the Holy Spirit's working, and you're open to what God has to say. You're not going to hear Dudley's opinions. You're going to hear what God's Word has to say, which is the truth. You, you, might, you might get offended and leave, but you're welcome here. If you leave, that's on you. We want you to know that we want you here. You're welcome here. All God's people said. Now, in context, write this down real quick. The context of this accepting thing is Jews and Gentiles, all right? Jews and Gentiles. This was written to the Christians who lived in what city? Rome. You're in Romans, right? In that city, there were Jewish people who became Christian because Paul had been preaching in the synagogue. They're Jewish, but they listened to Paul from the Scriptures, reason, in the synagogues, and they came to the belief that Jesus was the Messiah, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, they were what you call Jewish believers, Jewish Christians. Now, they're still Jewish, but they're Jews who now believe that Jesus is Yeshua. You got me? People are surprised, but in this church right here, we have three to four hundred Jewish believers. They're Jewish people who attend this church who believe that Jesus is is the Messiah. So in the church of Rome, they had Jewish Christians. They also had Gentiles. Gentiles, if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. Now, Rome is a big city, like LA is a big city, and there's a lot of wild, crazy Gentiles in Rome. But they too had become Christian. So in the church, you had both Jews and Gentiles worshiping together. The Jews brought with them thousands of years of heritage from the way they were raised, their traditions. Now, the Gentiles looked at the Jewish Christians and thought half the stuff that they did was crazy. Go to one chapter earlier, Romans 14. This is the context of Romans 15, 7, but Romans 14, Paul writes, except him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. 
Verse 2, one man's faith allows him to eat everything. How many of you have a faith like that? You just could eat anything. You, in fact, you practiced your faith yesterday. You ate all day. God bless you for your faith. Another man whose faith is weak, he eats only vegetables. How many, how many vegetarians do we have? Raise your hand if you're a vegetarian. Here's one right here. Who else? There's one. Oh, your faith is weak. You have such weak faith. Skip down to verse 5. Here's another thing. They, they argued over certain days. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat, that would be me. I, I eat my barbecue to the Lord. I got faith to eat barbecue unto the Lord. And I give thanks to God. Yet he who abstains from meat, he does so to the Lord as well. He gives thanks to God. He's drawn this comparison between certain foods and certain days. Max Lucado uses the illustration. Imagine you're going to have a potluck in the church back in Rome, and you're on the planning committee, and there's both Jewish Christians and Gentiles on the planning committee for the potluck dinner. And there's a Gentile, a man by the name of Antiochus, who says, let's clear the final day of the month, and that's the day we'll have the potluck. Abraham, who's a Jewish Christian, he, he believes in Christ. He says, are you kidding me? That's Passover weekend. We don't do anything on Passover weekend. Antiochus says, the Gentile, that's Old Testament. That's old law. We now live under grace. And Abraham says, my conscience will not allow me. Antiochus says, all right, you pick the day, I'll pick the food. I want to have a Hawaiian luau and have a big old roasted pig. And Abraham goes, no, 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 no. And opinion turns into discussion, into a dispute. It turns into an argument and then turns into division. And once your church is divided, you've lost everything. So here at this church, you know, the color of the carpet or the name of the cafe or how many services we have, we don't argue about stuff like that. Now, there are some matters, anything that has to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there's something that deals with the death and the burial and the resurrection, that is set in granite at our church because that is the gospel. But everything else, it's disputable matters. We could argue over the role of women in church. We could argue over whether or not you believe uh, in, you're a pre-millennial or post-millennial. We could argue about should we be having church on Saturday or should we only have it on Sunday. There's all kinds of things that we could argue about. And Paul says you need to learn to stop arguing over these things and just accept one another as Christ accepted you. In other words, treat people just like Christ treated you. Now here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. Here's how Christ treated us. We were lost. We were dying. And we were drowning in sin. And we were one breath away. Our last breath. We were going to drown in sin. And all of a sudden, a big hand shows up and rescues us. It's Jesus. And Jesus rescued you from your sin and pulled you into, into the boat. 
You can't then sit in the boat and start arguing with all the people. Well, how'd he get here? And what's he doing? And why? You, you just need to be thankful that Jesus rescued you. That's what you need to be thankful for. And the second thing, now write this. Here's the second one another. You got to be kind. Oh, this is a whole nother level. It's one thing to accept someone that you may or may not agree with. But it's a whole nother thing to be kind to that person that you disagree with. That's why Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage, get rid of all anger, get rid of all brawling. That's fighting, not physical fighting, but just fighting in general. Get rid of all slander, that's verbally fighting, along with every form of malice. And the very next verse says, and be kind, be compassionate. My friend who called me those bad names, before he left my office, I want to tell you what I said to him, but don't be offended by what I said to him about you. (laughs) I kind of looked at him and I said, you know, you, you got some sexual problems. I said, I got some people who have some real problems. See, all that hurt in him is coming from some issue with sexuality, right? And I'm not making light of his situation either, but I just want you to know what I said to him. I said, you know, you got some problems with sexuality, some sexuality problems. I said, I got some people got some real problems. And he was like, like what? What could be worse than my problems? I said, for one, I got people sitting out there who've murdered. I've got people who've murdered people. I got people sitting out there who've had abortions. I got people sitting out here who've paid for abortions. I got people sitting out there who have racism down on the roots and the depths of their heart. My point I was making, everybody in the church has got problems. We're all struggling with something. It's not just you and your problems. And my job is not only to be nice to you, I got to be I want to be nice to everyone. I want to help everyone. I want to encourage everyone. I want to teach everyone. I want to love everyone, right? That's the point. It's not that just you're accepted here, sit you on the sit there, you're welcome. You can sit there as long as you want. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you're welcome here. No, I want to be kind to you. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your life. Because we live in a world that is becoming more and more rude, more and more crude, more and more uncivilized. We, don't even, we, we no longer even hold the door open for somebody and let somebody go first. And we're told not just to accept, we're actually told to be kind to one another. I heard of a police officer who showed up at a, a car accident. He got there and a lady's laying right there in front of the car and he goes, who hit her? He goes, I was just coming up and I stopped and let her go first. And she fainted when I let her go first. We may not faint when someone does something nice for us, but in a cutthroat dog-eat-dog world, acts of kindness are leaving an imprint of Jesus in that person's life. Jesus fed 5,000 people. Don't you know that some of those 5,000 people were really messed up and not living godly lives, but he fed them anyway? So when you find someone who's homeless or someone who's hungry, you're not supposed to find out 
Are you living for Jesus? Before you feed them, just feed them. <laughs> because you're leaving an imprint of Jesus in their life. Jesus cared for the sick. Next time you hear someone in the hospital, it doesn't matter if they're saved or not, you go, go visit them in a hospital. You're leaving an imprint of Jesus in their life as you go visit them. The Bible says that Jesus came to set the prisoner free. Next time you write a letter or, or make a phone call or contact somehow or serve someone who's in prison, you're acting just like Jesus would act. Number one, you have to fight first impressions. And instead of drawing conclusions, fight that first impression and remember that that person that you do not like is made in the image of God just like you are made in the image of God. Secondly, love, don't label. We label so quick. The first thing we do is we label somebody. That guy's uptight. That guy's boring. That guy gets on my nerves. That guy's a Republican. <laughs> that guy is a Democrat. Number three, this is very important. Realize, recognize that all people have wounds. All people have wounds. Anytime you hear someone saying something or doing something that just is so, they shouldn't be happening, you've got to understand that person, something happened. You know, even if I hear of someone who says something racist or they do something that's racist, I look at that brother and I think to myself, there's something in his past, in his heart, where he himself was mistreated in some way that causes him to act and react the way he's reacting. Have you ever met someone one day they're normal, the next day it's like, ah! Are you the same guy I met yesterday? Yes. Well, why are you acting like, well, that person who lashes out, full of hatred, any type of bitterness, there's something going on, there's some hurt that when he was a child, by his parents, by t- something happened in that kid's, that kid's heart. We have to start remembering that when people are acting crazy, there's something in that heart, there's a wound in there. And number four, let Scripture be your standard. There's a lot of issues right now in our world. And whatever those issues are, let the Scriptures be the focal point of your discussion. Amen? Mother Teresa was once asked, how, how can you work in those slums? How do you deal with the stench? You are going to get a disease working with these people. How can you do this? She quoted scripture. She said, because the Bible says, as you do unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. She really believed that she was serving Jesus. How did she get that idea? She read the Bible. Let the scripture be your guide. And number five, as I close, let mercy be your message. Let mercy be your message. Listen to me. God is going to bring judgment on all the people, including us. Whoever needs to be judged, God's bringing that later. Your job is not to bring the judgment part. Your job is to bring the mercy part. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Plant those seeds. Let God work through you to accept welcome and to be kind in the name of Jesus. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. 
Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Hello, friends. My name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right. We're adding a fourth service. Worship service starts at 7 p.m., and it's for all ages. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.